0: on today's patriot nation podcast we are joined by rj ochoa this man is from blogging the boys he's from the sb nation nfl podcast and uh, just an all-around good guy it's going to be a heck of a conversation with him we also have five minute fantasy with dale demont from eat sleep fantasy it's going to be a heck of a show so buckle up and cue the music
1: Back receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands he has. Pass. Wilson,
2: quick throw, and it's has gone. Intercepted! Intercepted! <laughs> Intercepted! <laughs>
0: RJ, thanks for coming through, man. We appreciate it. Uh, and we're excited about Cowboys Week, and I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show.
2: Pat, it's great to be with you guys. Um, I actually went to the last Cowboys game at Foxborough. It was my first time in the Boston area, um, and I loved it. I, I really did. And so I'm bummed, um, you know, at the state of the Patriots right now. So this is this is a weird Cowboys Patriots game for me, but I'm certainly excited for it. Uh, and excited to see how you guys are lying to yourselves, uh, as, as to how New England could have a shot in this game. So I feel like that's, that's where we're at. right at that, like, you know, bartering stage of depression.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird with them. Like they seem to play up to their competition. I mean, right. It's kind of a small sample size so far, but, um, the Bucks game, right. Everybody had expected them to get blown out. We were kind of all in the same boat where we, we figured that this would be, you know, they'd make it close and tight. Um, but this week it's the same thing, right? A superior opponent. They have obviously a ton of weapons on both sides of the ball. I, th- I think the biggest thing I'm looking forward to, and I guess you could speak to it a little bit more, is right. You look at the, the, the uh, if if the Patriots try to get in a shootout, right? Like they're, they're they've been beating teams by kicking field goals this year. Like you're, you're not going to beat Dallas by doing that. Um, but I think if if they want a chance to win, they're going to have to be really good at stopping the run, right? I think Ezekiel Elliott's been much better the, the last three weeks, and then you, you know you sprinkle in Tony Pollard there. As well, it's a nice little combo they got. And then on the outside, I think it's a big test for their corners. Last time these two faced off, I believe Stephon Gilmore held Amari Cooper without a catch. He's not here anymore, right? So this is a big game for J.C. Jackson uh, going up against, I would assume he'd be up with, with Amari Cooper and, and Jalen Mills be on C D Lamb. But um, just those two guys on the outside, I think that's a, that's a matchup I'm looking forward to. Can these cornerbacks kind of step up their game? And I think that ultimately might be where the game's won.
2: Yeah I think that that's well said you know um, obviously Stefan Gilmore was, was kind of on the trade market for a long time this offseason somebody that like we had talked about like maybe the Cowboys said Michael Gallup to New England for Stephon Gilmore and so somebody that we, we were paying a lot of attention to and then when he went on the pup list there was this like huge sigh of relief uh, among every Cowboys fan because that that knocked him out the first six weeks at the very least of the season and, and this is obviously week six and so uh, Amari can can be had by very particular players, and Stefan is in that very elite club. Um, and so, yeah, the, the last time they played, it was also, uh, I, I told you guys I was there, um, that like monsoon. Yeah. Um, and, and the Cowboys had a difficult time, you know, playing in that. Jason Garrett very infamously did not have the Cowboys practice with a wet ball um, that whole week, which was a, a big talking point. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say, okay, if if you're whoever, you know, and you're playing the Cowboys, you've got to sell out to stop the run. But that would not be what I would do, personally. I mean, you know, Zeke gets a lot of headlines because of who he is. And obviously, Tony Pollard's come along, and he's really popular, like, in fantasy circles. But if if you sell out on anything that isn't Dak Prescott, I think you're, you're going about this incorrectly. Matt Rule, when the Cowboys played the Panthers, now Stephon's uh, new team, um, actually said prior to the game that their plan was to, you know, control the Cowboys on the run game and that's where I if I, I could live with it if I was Bill Belichick or whoever I could totally live with it if Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard beat me but you know Dak Prescott's playing like one of the very best quarterbacks in the NFL right now and so I, w- I would not want to chance that especially with Amari Cooper CeeDee Lamb Dalton Schultz has really come along and, and developed into an even more prominent weapon in the passing game Cowboys obviously don't have Michael Gallup right now but um, it, it's you know you mentioned a superior opponent that's a weird place to be like I know I kind of came in with a little bit of bravado but This is this is very foreign. There is, you know, the Cowboys haven't beaten the Patriots, as as you all know, since 1996, never beaten the Bill Belichick Patriots. And so um, I'd say the last time I felt even remotely as confident as I do was probably that 2007 matchup, which was the the undefeated against one another. Um, And and every Cowboys fan was real. This season feels similar to that, I think, for Dallas. But I had said um,
3: before before the Bucs game, not to cut you off, that was of my lifetime thinking about regular season games that were so hyped that was the only one i could really think of um, that that was a great it was like 38-24 but it was pretty tight for most of the game you know. the patriots pulled away late but that was that was the only game that i could really think of that was that much that had that much hype around it uh, you know yeah. up until brady came
2: prior to the game uh, you know terrell owens had the like call out for randy moss the like yeah. that's what it was it was a different time i mean it was it was so much fun <laughs> Um, and, and people only really remember that game from Marion Barber's two-yard run near the back of the end zone, um, right. but yeah, I mean that, you know, 2011 going into that, and the Cowboys played the Patriots stuff, didn't feel great, 2015 was the Brandon Whedon game, because Tony Romo had been hurt, so that really wasn't much, and 2019, yeah, the Cowboys had, that they were so wishy-washy, I mean, you never knew what you were going to get from them that season, That's, that was Jason Garrett's last one, so it's it's very strange. I mean, it's very strange to see the Cowboys with this level of authority against anyone, uh, but let alone against the Patriots specifically.
4: Yeah, and you mentioned, you you know, you talked about how they should kind of go into it, and it's defending Dak Prescott and letting everything kind of fall where it may. And I wanted to ask you, as a Cowboy, as somebody who follows the Cowboys, how do you defend Dak Prescott? Because it, no one's done it so far this year. So how would you go about it? Because the Patriots, you know, their identity is in the pass rush, and, and they can – what they can do is they can get after the quarterback and they can cover pretty well in the secondary, but they can't stop the run. So, you know, do you think that they, they try to attack him or do you think they kind of play off and, and make him beat them underneath? So, yeah, you know, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I think it's it's difficult because his his understanding of the game, you know, I'm not saying Dak is the, the greatest quarterback who ever lived, but he he's told this story before. Um, he worked with John Kitna two years ago. Uh, he was, that was the Cowboys quarterbacks coach and, and John Kitna instilled in him this, this golden corral, uh, analogy where if, if you, if you go to golden corral, you're in the buffet line and prime rib is at the very end and you're in line for the prime rib. Like that's what you came to golden corral for, you know, when, when you pass the chicken fried steak, you need to put it on your plate too. Right. Like when you pass the grilled fish or the pizza slice, it's like you got to pick everything up. And at the end, you're going to get that prime rib. Um, but don't pass up what's in front of you just in in the name of some hypothetical down the road. And that's where Dak has really changed. You know, Dak is is not somebody who just relies on, he's such a great deep ball thrower, but he's not, you know, I think there's a lot of quarterbacks like watching Zach Wilson as of late, you see it a lot with young guys that are just trying to hit home runs And, and Dak, Dak will take singles all day long. And so I think the only way you get to him is you fluster him early. And the Giants actually did that, you know, Dak had probably his worst first quarter that he's had in some time last week against New York, but because the Cowboys offense is so potent and the Giants offense isn't um, you know Dallas was able to kind of find their footing and and put things out of reach you know sooner rather than later but that's that's the key I think you know take away you know that short stuff and 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 hope that you you know because obviously for long plays to develop you need a lot of time and hope that you can get there in that time but he's going to take Dalton Schultz in the flat or Zeke Elliott in the flat and those are the plays, you know, those little dump offs that turn into 18-yard gains or whatever that all of a sudden you're on your own, you know, 16-yard line and you kind of blinked and you didn't know how you got there.
0: Well, it, and it's one of those things, like, for me, it's funny because we talk about selling out for the pass and selling out for the run and whatnot. It reminds me of 2013 when the Patriots played the uh, played the Broncos and they came in here, no Sean Moreno with like 215 yards rushing. And everyone's like, oh my God, they're getting gashed by the – and, and the reason why is because they said, all right, well, we're going to come out in a pass set and – Peyton Manning is going to check to a run and they're going to run it and go ahead and run it as much as you want because you're not going to beat us running the football. Right. And so the Patriots are, are, aren't are set up the way that the Brady Patriots were back then, of course. Right. They don't have the weapons that they did. They don't, ha- they have a rookie quarterback, but if I'm the Patriots defensively, like, just like you said, I'm not giving anything to Dak because Dak is the guy that's going to beat you. And yeah, sure. Zeke Elliott can put up numbers and his name is great and whatever, but like ultimately the only chance the Patriots have of winning this game is by stopping Dak from killing you in the air because you have those weapons, you know, Amari and Ceedee lamb and Dalton Schultz. And, you know, even, even the running backs in the passing game, like that's where you're going to lose the game is in the passing game. You're not losing the game to the Cowboys in the running game.
2: Yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, I'm not a fan of like any offensive mentality. that's like, you know, like this, like Jason Garrett's mentality to a T is like, well, we we've got to have, eight minute possessions and you know, like fourteen play drives that, you know, ended we got to shorten the game. Like that's not sustainable because you're you're demanding perfection. And that's, you know, it's impossible for any NFL team. But I'm as weird as that sounds, I think that's the only way to beat the Cowboys. But but to have the Cowboys shorten the game themselves. You know, the Cowboys have had a lot of possessions and a lot of that has been that they've been able to generate turnovers, which is really foreign to this team as well. Um, but, you know, they're, they're third quarters. And that, that's kind of been the thing. The Cowboys have had the ball like four or five times in the last couple of third quarters each. And they've just, I mean, it's quick play, touchdown, 49-yard touchdown. You know, Trayvon Diggs interceptions. That's some, you blink and it's like we were tied, you know, and now we're down two possessions because the Cowboys right. can get you that quickly. And so if, if you're forcing the Cowboys to be methodical, and, and we haven't mentioned Kellen Moore, that's the guy who you have to outsmart. I mean, Dak is awesome. And, and certainly the, the, you know, straw that stirs the drink to use Stephen Jones's terminology but, but Kellen Moore has really been in his bag and, and he, he has struggled as a play caller in the red zone. And that's, you know, the Cowboys have had their, the Cowboys are like Steph Curry. They're hitting threes from all downtown scoring from beyond 20, but they do kind of shrink up when they get close. And I think that that's, that's where they can be had is, is those possessions turning into field goals. That's kind of what Tampa did against them in the opener.
3: And from an outside perspective, and, and you know, I think we're pretty much in the same boat. We're, we're pretty happy with, you know, how Mac Jones has been, um, throughout his first five games, right? I think, you know, if you look at, you know, the statistics across the five first round picks, obviously throwing Davis Mills to Mac Jones leads all rookies in pretty much everything. Curious on your thoughts on him and kind of, um, you know, this, this Dallas defense that I, I think from an outside perspective looking in is surprising a lot of people. Trayvon Diggs has had a, a, you know, a monster year Um, defensive player of the year through the first five weeks, in my opinion, obviously draft Micah Parsons in the first round. So, Uh, That defense has looked a lot better this year, but um, I guess, you know, two part question, what do they have to do to stop Mac Jones? And and I guess your overall thoughts on him so far.
2: So, you know, Cowboys have, have, they're down. What a lot of people would say is their best defensive player overall. DeMarcus Lawrence broke his foot on the second Wednesday of the year. Um, That was after the week one loss and everybody thought, Oh man, this, this season's falling apart already Uh, that same week. And that was the week the Cowboys visited the chargers, Randy Gregory, uh, was placed in the COVID protocol. That was why Micah Parsons played defensive end. That was you know talked about on a very large level um, after the Cowboys won in LA. And M- Micah has just been you know absurd. And I-, I don't know how well aware other people. are. He was the you know a lot of Cowboys fans were enamored with him. But there were a lot of people. Every Cowboys fan mostly wanted Patrick Sertan or J. C. Horn because they had a top ten pick. And if you're if you're picking that high in the draft, you want a premier premium position premium player and so you know when horn and sertain went eight and nine to carolina and denver we had a live show on our youtube channel and you know i just i'm you know i asked what do you do? And everybody trade back trade back you know it was it was panic city and so when the cowboys took micah it was a matter of okay this is only worth it. you know if you're taking an off the ball linebacker this high if you play him everywhere if you just exhaust this guy and he's a superstar all over the field and he's been that i mean you know it's it's a weird kind of uh, things worked out exactly the way you hoped they would. He has been – he obviously had character issues coming out of Penn State. He's been a darling for the Cowboys in every sense. And he's you know, playing so well, but you know, probably not their best defensive player right now. To your point, Ryan, I mean, Trayvon Diggs, a lot of people thought he would make a, a, a little bit of a leap in his second year. He, he did lead the team in interceptions last year. Uh, but they all came against the Eagles. And so there was a little bit of you know context that was necessary. And some of them you – know, you had a, an interception off of uh, a tipped ball off Leonard Fournette's hands in week one. You know, last week it was against Mike Glennon. It wasn't against Daniel Jones. And so, but still, I mean, he has, he has really changed what they're able to do. And the Cowboys are kind of getting a little bit lucky in the turnover department. Um, You know, in Week One, they, they had a fumble. You know, that Demonte KZ forced on Chris Godwin at the goal line. You know, if if Chris Godwin holds on, that game looks very different. You know, Demonte KZ picked off Justin Herbert in the end zone in Week Two. Just a really uncharacteristic throw from Justin Herbert. And so they've they've just been really opportunistic and really lucky, which, you know, you all know is is kind of the case sometimes. But, you know, when it comes to stopping Mac Jones, I think pressuring him, which they've had a lot of success, Randy Gregory returning, Micah Parsons, Cowboys getting pressure from everywhere. Micah's got all the headlines, but their third-round pick, Osa Digizua, the defensive tackle out of UCLA, also has an enormous amount of pressures. And so they're just getting help everywhere, and they're just kind of hitting on all cylinders, which is a lot of fun, obviously. Uh but but I I love Mac, you know, and obviously he he's kind of the most memeable quarterback uh, of, of the class. And, you know, I I have to wonder, you know, what San Francisco would look like if that had actually played out, if, if Kyle Shanahan had drafted him and everybody obviously, you know, mm-hmm. heard all those jokes and takes. I mean, I I don't think it's absurd to think that he could be the best quarterback from this class. Trevor Lawrence hasn't been impressive. Zach Wilson looks like the worst. Uh, you know, it's very small sample size, but Matt Matt just looks I mean this is really superficial but he just he looks like a franchise quarterback he looks like it's it's a process it's going to take time this is a year of some growing pains but he looks like somebody who gets it I mean this goes without saying but it was a really impressive game against the Buccaneers I don't know that a lot of rookie quarterbacks rise to the moment like he did that night I
0: I think you're spot on with it and it, it is funny to kind of see to kind of see how that looks right and I, I love I love Parsons and and listen you said you got the, the Cowboys have been a little bit lucky with the turnovers. And and yes, the part of that is true, but like you have 10 forced fumbles through five games and you're averaging two forced fumbles a game. And so like that really, that's impressive. That's not luck, right? That's, that's the, you know, ball Hawk second. And of course the secondary, you know, with Trayvon Diggs having a billion interceptions, but like, you know, that's going after the football and they've recovered six of them. So you know, that's going after the football. And of course, like sometimes the ball bounces and and you get, you know, that fumble luck sometimes ends up a little bit more and sometimes it's a little bit less, but like still forcing those fumbles. That's not an accident, right? That's coaching. That's that's the guys playing. That's the guys making plays when they need to make them. Uh, you know, and, and I think that, I think right now the Cowboys have, have one of those defenses where, yeah, they may not be the best defense in the league, but if you're not paying attention and the Patriots have had ball control troubles All over the field. John Smith has fumbled a few times. Harris has fumbled a few times. Ramonde's fumbled. J.J. Taylor They've all fumbled. Everyone on the team has fumbled already. So it's like, you know, you go up against a secondary like that, that is going to be pulling at the ball and punching at the ball and ripping at the ball. And, you know, if you're careless with it, even for a second against this team, that could really turn into something. And again, like you said, you're at the goal line. You're in the red zone. And all of a sudden points turn into nothing because you turn the ball over right there at the goal line. So uh no surprise to the Patriots. They that that's happened to them twice. Damien Harris fumbled inside the red zone twice uh so far, once like literally at the goal line on Sunday. And so, you know, of course that's a struggle that the Patriots have had, but you know, now you're kind of rolling up against a team that is doing well in that area. It's 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 a little scary for Patriots. For the Patriots.
2: It it's very strange. I mean, for a long time. Cowboys fans have kind of lamented, you know, if if this defense was just average, you know, this team would be really good, you know, really good Cowboys teams recently. Um, 2018, that was the year they traded for Amari Cooper. They lost to the Rams in the divisional round. Jared Goff had had a game icing first down that he picked up on the ground. You know, I mean, those those are the kinds of things that keep you up at night. Uh, 2016, they allowed a third and 20 conversion from Aaron Rodgers to Jared Cook to set up the game-winning field goal. A lot of people remember that game. 2014, the Des Cotta game. Aaron Rodgers had a calf injury. Cowboys didn't get a single sack on him one time, you know, with, with a really bad defense. And so um, it's very strange to have not just an average defense, but, you know, kind of a top 10-ish defense, certainly from a turnover standpoint. But And that's the thing, like, if you run into those teams and it's, it's you know, it's surreal that the Cowboys are, are one of them right now. But where if, if you don't – you know, it's one thing to turn points into negative points, but to turn points into nothing – because that offense is going to score and you, you cannot squander those opportunities against this team. And that's why the first halves of the, of their last two games, you know, the Panthers led at halftime, they were up 14 to 13 um, on the Cowboys. And so you it was a little bit of a touch and go game, but then they just exploded in the third quarter. And that's, it can, it can happen very quickly against this team because of the offense. And, and it's just, they've they've caught lightning in the, the exact right bottle, you know, as of late. And so that's, that's a challenge I get for every team that's going to face them the rest of the season.
4: Yeah, and I think it's it's pretty obvious that the the reason that they've improved so much on defense to Cowboys is a philosophy change from from Rod Marinelli to Dan Quinn. It's like a one eighty almost, but also that they've progressively added talent. You know, we we looked back to the 2019 game between these two teams. They they're returning one defensive starter because you know Demarcus Lawrence will be out. Jordan Lewis, who I don't even think he starts anymore. So they they've pretty much you know, made, made over this defense in two years and then added the philosophy change. And I think that's, what's gone into it, but who do you think have been the most important players to kind of get things going, you know, under Dan Quinn,
2: you know, um, Jordan Lewis is there. They're starting nickel corner to be fair. Uh, but he is just kind of somebody who's hung on, you know, he's, he's not anybody that's like flashy. Nobody has like a Jersey. I mean, you know his most famous play as an athlete came uh, in college. at had a great interception against Ohio State. It was at like this one-handed play. Um, but you know Micah Parsons obviously goes without saying. Uh, Randy Gregory, I mentioned. You know uh, this, this week I wrote something a blog on the boys, and it was it was the five or five of the things that you know we got wrong about the Cowboys. You know that we're pleasantly surprised by now. And one of them, I I wasn't not a believer in Randy Gregory, but you know he had played such little football as a play. He did play ten games last year. But, I mean, I think anybody who's followed him knows he's been suspended, not suspended, played a couple of games, et cetera. I mean, he's missed two full seasons. He was their, their second-round draft pick in 2015, and it's been a long time. And so I just – you know, the Cowboys counted, were counting on him, very obviously. They didn't really add to, to edge rusher. and You know, they, they had a lot of holes to fill, obviously, on the defensive side of the ball. They spent their first six draft picks on defense this year, first time in franchise history they ever did that. And so, I, you know, they kind of had to, they were forced to rely on him. He has been incredible. I mean, he has been, you know, and the Cowboys have always kind of had this this person opposite of DeMarcus Lawrence really shine. Robert Quinn, a couple of years ago, that was that 2019 season uh, Alden Smith last year, who they pulled out of the woodwork and, and had a really nice year. Obviously, you know, things kind of dissipated towards the end, but DeMarcus Lawrence isn't even there. And Randy Gregory is really showing up. I think beyond that, I mentioned Osa Divizua, and that's where the Cowboys have gotten, I wouldn't again. I wouldn't say lucky, but you know their starting player at that position, Neville Gallimore, their third round pick last year, he was injured in the preseason against Arizona, and so he was placed on injured reserve. And so out of necessity, Osa Digizua got to start. It just kind of became this thing that they might not have otherwise known was this right away, uh, if not for that injury. And you know every year, you know the Cowboys refuse to address the safety position. It's, it's just kind of a running you know trope at this point. It's always these one year journeyman type guys, and this year. The Cowboys signed Keanu Neal, but, but converted him to linebacker. And he's missed a couple of games with, you know, being on the COVID list. But at safety, they signed DeMonte KZ, who, you know, it was a follower of Dan Quinn, didn't know how that was going to work out. And J. Ron Curse, who was this journeyman coming from the Lions. And that's one of those you get, and everybody's like, who's this guy? What's his PFF grade? You know what I mean? Like, you're just, you're trying to feel good about it. And he has been incredible. Um, he has really, and again, started out a necessity. The Cowboys starting strong safety, Donovan Wilson. Uh, has had a groin injury. But j Ron has really – the Cowboys just have more adults in the room. It's kind of what it feels like. They have more experienced players, more veterans that have been there, that understand situations, that understand Dan Quinn. And Dan Quinn's kind of that, you know, as a whole. He's this adult. The Cowboys, you know, everybody was a little bit fascinated by Chris Richard, certainly in that 2019 season, who also came from that Seattle tree. And, you know, Richard was a young guy who would scream and yell. He would wear cleats at practice. And so every Cowboys fan thought that this dude was, like, the best defensive coordinator in the world. But, you know, the Cowboys secondary would play off of receivers and give a lot of cushion and get beat. And, and Dan Quinn's just kind of come in and, you know, everybody hears it. You know, some guys make better coordinators than they do head coaches. And, and Dan Quinn is, is really elevated things. But I, I would say to that, you know, not to take away from Quinn, but, you know, the Cowboys have 12 turnovers to their first five games this year. They had 12 turnovers through their final four games last year. So Mike McCarthy talks so much about how important turning the ball over is. And and that goes without saying, and he's obviously an offensive head coach, but I think the philosophy as a whole is something that Mike McCarthy has has spent some time focusing on. And so I do think he deserves his fair share of credit in that space.
0: I like that. So here's kind of the question for me. And I know, of course, you know, we talk about, uh, we're talking about coordinators and everything else, but, I think the biggest thing for me that the Patriots have an advantage at is at is at the coaching position, right? You look at Bill Belichick versus Mike McCarthy and of course you're talking about Jason Garrett and and <laughs> you got a big improvement over Jason Garrett with Mike McCarthy, but we're still at Mike McCarthy level here. So like, you know, that to me is the, is the biggest space where the Patriots have that advantage is at the head goes at the head coaching position. Now at the, the coordinator position is a little bit different. Of course you have McDaniels on the offensive side. But the defensive side, you know, it's Steve Belichick, it's Gerard Mayo. It's a lot of young coaches that are kind of bringing that defense along. Do you think the Patriots can kind of exploit a little bit of what Mike McCarthy has done, man? Some of his, some of his still the clock management is crazy. Like the fact he doesn't have someone like if I were him, I would just hire someone specifically for clock management to be like, Hey coach, you probably call a timeout right now. And Oh, thanks. Okay. All right. Let's go. You know, it's just like, it's right. It's crazy that he's still doing the same thing 20 years later. Right. But, um, you know, do you, do you think the Patriots can take advantage of that at all? Or uh, do you think, you know, it will be not a non-factor, but not enough of a factor?
2: You know, um, it is strange how, you know, pr- prior to the last couple of weeks against the Chargers, Cowboys had that, that end of the game that, that a lot of people had a lot of thoughts on. Although, you know, people are throwing bouquets of roses at Brandon Staley. He didn't call a single timeout, you know, in his team, right. you know, to, to try to try to get the ball back for Justin Herbert. So, You know, just kind of, you know, it's an interesting conversation. And then everybody saw Monday Night Football. Everybody saw Peyton Manning freak out. You know, the the Cowboys kind of, you know, took their foot off the gas, however you want to put it. Uh, He's been at the helm of a lot of controversial decisions like that. Last year, everybody remembers the watermelon kick against Atlanta and Dan Quinn at the time. Uh, Mike McCarthy, the Cowboys were down by 15 points and he went for two uh, on, on the first touchdown and a lot of old football heads. No, you, you don't do that. You always wait, you know, And so, like everybody had takes on like when you go for two and analytics and data and all this stuff. Um, so he's he's kind of a guy that like lives in, in the center of the controversial storm. I, I would say, I, you know, I will say,
0: I don't mean to interrupt you. I will say that's the right decision. If you're down 15, that's right, because now you know whether it's one score or two scores. You You know you got to make the two at some point anyways. So if you miss it, now you're down nine. You know it's two scores. If you make it, you're down seven. You're down one score. That, you know, anyone, oh, well, you know, then you're only down one score. Well, you got to make the two at some point, right? So you might as well figure it out now, you know?
4: Pat, you talked about the coaching advantage. We've seen the exact opposite from Bill Belichick, where he's he's right. become the most conservative coach in the league. And it's mind numbing to Patriots fans because for the longest time he was ahead of everybody else, you know, intentionally intentionally giving other teams safeties so right. he can put his defense on the field, stuff like that. And now he's just, yeah, we'll kick a 58 yard field goal in a monsoon, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> so we've seen the opposite. We've seen
3: it's a,
2: a complete 180. Right. And, the play and,
3: calling in, in the red zone with the, you know, we can yeah, right. go on for an hour about that. So we'll, we'll, argument, <laughs> yeah. We'll hold you.
2: <laughs> no, but you're all right. And I, you're, you're right, Pat, that that's the correct decision as it was to, to go for it on fourth and two in 2009. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, that was the correct right. decision, but yep. you, you know, you mentioned a, aggressiveness and that is Mike McCarthy and, yeah, again, he's 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 a really memeable coach as well. A lot of, I think a lot of people believe that the McCarthy doesn't do anything, that he's just there, whatever. So they're trying to confirm their priors. But you know, he did spend a year studying things, and I'm not saying he's like woke to analytics or anything. But he, he clearly you know has some level of knowledge that people are unwilling to afford to him. Um, and, and so the aggression comes from him, but the design comes from Kellen Moore. Uh, the one of his the first Ezekiel Elliott touchdown last week was this incredible call from Kellen Moore. Uh, where Dak Prescott faked a pitch to Zeke and, and just you know the defender kind of bit on the pitch and then you know kind of caught himself to get back to Dak which left Zeke open in the flat Dak hit him for a walk and touched on Zeke celebrated in high step I think a lot of people saw that and so that combination on offense because ultimately the Cowboys offense is their bread and butter their most talented players on offense their most high level of risk is on offense which makes them dangerous and Kellen Moore is is arguably their most creative coach. I think Dan Quinn's their most experienced and tenured, but Kellen Moore is, he's a millennial, you know, whatever you want to put into that. I mean, obviously he comes you know, from a world of college football. He's a really popular name right now. And so like that blend uh, along with the aggressiveness that Dak Prescott has w- w- with the level of calculation. Cause we talked about the golden corral thing. Like he knows when is, is the right and the wrong time to be aggressive and to take a chance and to take an opportunity. The Cowboys are among the leaders in the NFL in, in being aggressive. And so I would say that that's probably an advantage for Dallas. Is because they're when when you have an offense like they do that can I don't want to say score at will, but but you can rely on the score. You you have the currency to be aggressive, and that has made them dangerous so far this season.
0: It's well put. It's very. It's extremely well put. So what what are your predictions for the game? What do you think is going to happen in the game? I mean, I know I don't want to put you on the spot here. I mean, we kind of all know where you're going, and I, I think we're probably going to predict kind of the same. Kind of the same outcome, maybe a little bit different score, but probably the same, probably the same outcome. But, uh, you know, but what are you thinking for the game?
2: You know, Cowboys have um, have kind of had their way offensively, and a lot of it has been due to big third quarters. And in fact, their fourth quarter has been really boring because they've just kind of, you know, people accuse McCarthy of taking it light on the Panthers. They kind of came back and, and narrowed the margin there at the end. I think it's close. I mean, I, I think the way New England played Tampa is really impressive. And I think that that speaks a lot to to what they still have the personnel and the ability to do. I do think that they'll inhibit the Cowboys offensively. Um, but but I think, you know, you, you can put up as, as much of a dam as you want. But if if you've got a powerful enough current coming through, it's, it's going to find a way. And I don't think it's an onslaught of points. I could see it being like a 2720 game. Maybe that's a late, you know. Uh, kind of touchdown that makes it look prettier for New England or something like that. Maybe it's a late field goal and you guys are pissed off because Belichick kicked the field goal instead of going for the touchdown late or something. Um, you know. But but the Cowboys at at least you know last thing I've seen are four point favorites. If you care about that, they are the only undefeated team against the spread in the NFL this season. So I I think they cover uh, at the very least 27-20. I could see 27-23. You know, like 31-24 something like that. I think it's a one possession win that again looks kinder then, but, but I think it is the game that the Cowboys feel comfortable in for the most part, certainly in the second half.
3: See, for me, I think I liked your point and, you know, I guess anything can happen sometimes with these interconference matchups too, right? It's, it can be so weird. They don't see each other much. I know Belichick and McCarthy obviously have some sort of history together, been coaching uh, in the same league for a while, but I just think the, page, the Patriots have under so much scrutiny, you know, through the first five weeks and, and, you know, their season it, it's they're they're lucky because last year eleven and five got you in as the seventh seed. Where this year in the AFC it's not really looking that way, right? Like since right now it's obviously through five weeks, but three and 2 year in the Patriots are game out of the wildcard. If they were to win Sunday, they'd be in the they'd be the, you know, the seventh seed. So I, I think it's it's kind of a sense of urgency for them, right? You they're gonna I think they'll they'll play up to their competition, like I said. The Jets game they won, yeah, everyone was kind of mad about the Texans game, you know, showed a little bit of grit, you know, down the stretch, a much better second half. Um, but I think this game will be ultimately pretty close simply because they, they do do a pretty good job of playing up to their competition. And I think, you know, you win this game, it can do wonders. You know, you, you get a tough stretch coming up. Um, I know they get the Jets next week, then they go to L.A. Um, Tennessee's in there, too, so. You know they'll have a tough stretch of games. That they if they can get a win here. Uh, I think a lot of people will be viewing this season a, a lot differently. So, uh, big opportunity for the Patriots here.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, it, it is the seventeenth game for for each of these teams. Obviously, they're you know Cowboys aren't playing the AFC East. Patriots aren't playing the NFC East. Um, and so that's interesting. And, and I think Bill Belichick was actually asked about that on Wednesday, and he you know to your point just kind of said, "Yeah, I mean, you know, we know them, whatever." But um, it, you know, this is – and to that point, you know, the Cowboys have won four games in a row, three of them in a row at home. Uh, they haven't been on the road since that Chargers game, which was in week two. Uh, it's their last game before their bye. I mean – and that's where I'd say people have been most impressed with the Cowboys this season is – Everybody kind of said, okay, if you get to the first two Bucks and Chargers at one and one, that's a win, right? Like, we're not expecting you to win both of those games. Um, and then, you know, going into the Eagles game on Monday night in week three, it was the home opener. It was, at, you know, Dak's first game, at Stadium, whatever. Um, since, since the injury. And it was like, this is a bad team. You know, you, you should beat the crap out of them. Like, if you go out and you barely beat them, you know, we're going to kind of feel the same touch and go away. But they went out and beat the crap out of them. And, you know, they got the 3-0 and Panthers, who were a little bit of a paper tiger. And it was, you, you should beat this team. You're better than them. And they did. And they had their way with them. And then it was the Giants last week. And um, I don't know how well aware everybody else was, but it was effectively the one-year anniversary for Dak uh, yeah. of his injury against the same opponent in the same building and the same time slot. Um, and I I would venture to guess that might be why he struggled individually, a lot of emotion, um, but they had their way with them. And, you know, at halftime of that game, Daniel Jones had, had just been concussed and certainly hope he's all right. But every Cowboys fan kind of thought, okay, it's really unfortunate. We we hope and wish the best for Daniel Jones. But as far as this football game was concerned, if it's Mike Glennon out there, you should go beat the piss out of him in the second half. And they did. And so, like, they've kind of checked off all these should boxes. And this, you know, compared to the Cowboys, this is a, an inferior team, I think we would all agree. And they should win. You know, they should go get their first win in Foxborough. They should, first time in this stadium, you know, beat Belichick, beat Belichick's face. Like, go it, – it, it doesn't hold the same meaning. I don't think anybody believes that. But on Sunday night, if the Cowboys win, everyone will pretend it did. You know what I mean? And yep. so this is kind of a, a should thing that you should do. And I, I feel for you guys that you've now become like like a checklist for a lot of fan bases. But th- this is that for the Cowboys. Go get your, your fifth win in a row. You know, get, go to your bye, feel great. The Cowboys, you know, to tie a bow on this, the Friday after they lost to the Buccaneers in the season opener, Lyle Collins was suspended for five games. Michael Gallup was announced to have a catch strain. The following Wednesday, DeMarcus Lawrence broke his foot. Donovan Wilson had the groin injury that I mentioned. Their reserve tackle, Ty Inseki, had heat exhaustion and, and was ruled out of the Chargers game. And so, you know, it felt like all hell rained loose on the Cowboys. And since then, they're 4 and. And so, you know what, the old Cowboys would have settled for that and said, you know what, we're 4-2 and two at the bye, we're, we're much better off than we thought we would be. And I think it's made this team different is they continue to add on, they continue to give you confidence, they continue to inspire. And so it is a little bit of a measuring stick game for Dallas in that sense as well, but certainly not to the point of disparity as, as it is for New England, I agree with that.
4: Real quick before you go, I, what are your thoughts on their overall success this year, the Cowboys? What do you, where do you think they can get? Because we've got a guy here who predicted them to go to the super bowl. So it won't be
2: crazy. It's, it's, you know, it's difficult, um, to, to not let your mind run there. Right. And and I think, you know, like Ryan, you were kind of talking about the the state of the AFC. Like I'm not a believer in the Bengals, you know, like Joe Burrow is great. Jamar Chase is great, whatever. But like, you know, th- ev- things will normalize at a certain point. But when you look at the NFC, I'm still not a believer in the Packers. Like the fact that, you know, they went down to the wire with the Bengals, and yeah, there's those like fluky kicks, but you know, and and I do believe that when adversity hits that team, like, man, it's, it's coming hard mm-hmm. for them. Like some serious finger pointing will start. The Rams have started to kind of lose some of the luster that we saw in the first couple of weeks. The bucks obviously beat the Cowboys, but you know, played, you know, the, the Patriots tight. Now, granted, there's a lot of emotion in that game too. Um, I, I don't really believe all too much in the Cardinals. Um, Kyler Murray is incredible and, and is a bit of an X factor. And so you do have to, to obviously watch out for him, but the Cowboys should, should sleepwalk to an NFC's title. I mean, you know, and and every Cowboys fan, a lot of fans love to say, "Patriots had this cakewalk of a division forever." Okay, that's cool. Fine if you believe that. Well, the Cowboys have that now, so like they should do that. You know what I mean? They should they should cruise. They should have this thing locked up the week after Thanksgiving. If if we're being honest with ourselves, and their Thanksgiving Day game uh, was one of their harder games. It, it is against the Raiders, which is obviously different now. Obviously, nobody knows what that team's going to look like, but. You know, their, their hard games look easier in that sense. Kansas City's still on their schedule, who looks much more beatable. And so it's difficult to find a game where you don't like their odds. And so in that sense, you know, I, I think, you know, we talked about all week on our network, you know, what have our expectations changed to? You know, th- this was kind of a, you know, because I, I I it was understandable why they were bad last year. And I think that had a lot of people thinking they were bad. That got hurt. Tyron Smith got hurt. Lyle Collins got hurt. Leighton Van got hurt. Obviously everybody dealt with COVID. The Cowboys dealt with a personal tragedy with one of their their coaches passing away the week of Thanksgiving. And so it was it was just an awful year in, in a lot of ways. And so it, it kind of feels like they're picking up where they didn't leave off of, but where they were supposed to be. And so I certainly think they can challenge, you know, in, in the playoffs this year. And and obviously wonky weird things happen in the playoffs, but One thing I I believe in in all of my core is that the NFL is poetry and and we get these poetic moments like Brady and and the Patriots a couple weeks ago. And it would be utter poetry for the Cowboys to host the Green Bay Packers in the divisional round like they've done so many times. And for Aaron Rodgers last game as a Packer to be a loss in the building of the team that he has tormented against the coach that he ran out of town. As the Cowboys finally got to an NFC Championship game since before John Elway had any Super Bowl ring of any kind? Um, so you know, that, I don't care. That is,
0: I don't care if you like the Cowboys or not. That would be awesome. Like you can hate the Cowboys as much as you want. That would be because I think you probably like Aaron Rodgers even less. That would be pretty awesome.
2: It would be sick, and so it's hard not to believe that that's possible, especially because you know, not in the hierarchy of who's the who's the best quarterback ever, who's you know resumes better, but. I would challenge someone to find a quarterback that is operating at a higher level than Dak Prescott. Right. And so you, you've got that piece. You've got this run game. You've got a defense that is, is stable and is generating turnovers. You've got an aggressive play caller. You've got a head coach that that is humble enough, has been humbled, obviously, to stay out of people's way. That's what Mike McCarthy really is really good at. He stays out of Kellen Moore's way. He stays out of Dan Quinn's way. And a lot of people think that that's laziness. Uh, But, you know, some would say that that's management or delegation. And so um, it's it's difficult not to think that they could do this and that this could finally be the year. But like I said, we've been lulled into that before uh, and been heartbroken. And so that's why every Cowboys fan still has these checkpoints. You know, go impress us. Go go do it. Go beat the Patriots as, as hollow as it might be, because we we need these these points of affirmation to feel like this is really actually possible.
0: I agree. Very well spoken. R.J., thank you so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Obviously, if anyone is listening now, you know, subscribe to the to the SB Nation NFL podcast. If you're not already doing that, Uh, you do get some snippets, obviously, on the Pat's pulpit uh, feed. If they're ever talking Patriots, uh, anything pertinent Patriots wise, uh, we do get that on there. But R.J., before we let you go, can you just please, you know, tell everyone where they can read you and see you and hear you and everything else?
2: Sure, blogandtheboys.com, obviously a central hub for everything I do. Twitter and Instagram at Rjo Cho, and make it nice and simple. I did want to say before I left, um, you guys do a great job. Burned is my guy. Uh, so, um, love everything. Pat's pulpit. I, um, I'm not a passionate hockey fan, but when I did go to the Cowboys Patriots game, I went to a Bruins game Ooh, and, um, cool. it was, I'm the hockey was, guy here.
3: It's, it's it electric. Was, <laughs> well,
2: you might remember then it was, it was November of 2019 and it was against the wild. And it was like a, they were down like five, two in the third period. And they came back. Tory Krug won it over. in
3: overtime. Yep. I remember yeah. That game. So
2: I bought, I bought a Bruins cap partly to like, you know, feel like happy Gilmore, but that's my NHL team. So, that's um, awesome. But um, I am also a Houston Astros fan. So I apologize uh, for the uh, you,
3: coming. You got to go now. Sorry. No, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey,
0: listen, next hey, time me, you come me me on, tears. next time you come on, you got to wear the, uh, now that you know, you got to wear a hat. You got to wear the, uh, you got to wear the Bruins hat.
2: Yeah, so. I definitely will. Um, it's, <laughs> I'm pumped that, you know, the NHL season's back. I actually recently bought, I think it was like NHL 19. I hadn't had an NHL game in forever. And they're just so there much fun to play. So, um, So the Bruins are my squad.
0: Nice. Love it. Well, RJ, thank you so much for coming through. We appreciate appreciated, uh, you know, some some really, I think, measured a lot of time when you think about Cowboys fans, you don't think about like measured, rational people. And so we appreciate the measured, rational talk. Well, you know, what's some what's some fandom kind of mixed in there, which which is what we all have to do. Right. But um, but yes, yeah, some some real measured uh, thinking man's talking about the Cowboys. We appreciate that. Thanks so much. For I appreciate
2: through. it. The real
0: America's team. Yeah. I <laughs> oh, didn't get that one in there. All right. Have a great night. All right.
2: Thanks guys. Really appreciate it. Let me know when it's out and we'll get it out on our end and stuff too.
0: That'd be great. Oh, Thank thanks, you so much. Roger. Appreciate thanks,
2: it. Thanks guys.
0: Have a good All right. That was great. So, all right. So we're going to move into our five minute fantasy segment here. We have, uh, f- you know, comic, f- friend of the show, friend of the show. Uh, the, uh, one of the guys who always does our, uh, fantasy football special, Dale Demod, he's he's dealing with some camera issues. Looks like off off screen here, so we'll see if he can uh, if he can go on. Dale, what's up, man? How's it going?
1: What's up, man? What's up, guys? Not good to be back on.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming through. We appreciate it, of course. Uh, for those of you that aren't, uh, for those of you that aren't watching on YouTube, he is at Eat Sleep um, and so you gotta go check him out there. So, Dale, uh, just to explain it to you and to anyone else who hasn't been watching. Five minute fantasy. You would think it's pretty self explanatory, but it's five minutes, and you're gonna talk about all things fantasy. We have one question lined up, including
3: I got a question. I'm starting. Oh, out. look
0: at that! So, so we got so we got two questions lined up. Then it. we have a few three. fake three questions lined up. Then we have a few fake ESF questions in there. If you uh, if you run the things to talk about. So so uh, <laughs> but so I'm gonna put five minutes on the clock. When the alarm goes off, you're done. Okay. So, uh, I'll so try. Spags, you just, I talk a lot. Uh, I know you do, but I'm telling you the alarm goes off. That's it. I'm cutting you off. That's it. You're done. Okay.
3: So, okay. Okay. okay
0: uh, now, so you're going keep it, keep it tight. Keep it tight. So okay. Spags, right, let's do it. I'll, I'll, I'll let Spags, we'll do it. We'll do it. Uh, family feud style. I family feud. Yeah, yeah. We'll do a family feud style where I'll let, I'll let Spags ask the question and I'll start the timer when he's finished asking the first question. Oh, How about that? That's fair. All, All right, right. Spags, go.
3: Yeah, so fantasy. I'm three and two in my league. Um, I have the second least points, so I'm, I'm lucky, very lucky. Three and two. Uh, made a blockbuster trade this week. Um, I have Devontae Adams, um, and so I that, that he's still on my roster. And Josh Jacobs. I just traded Kyler Murray, Darren Waller, Amari Cooper, and Damian Harris for Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and James Robinson. Um, I have Devontae Adams. Um, Antonio Brown, Michael Pittman, Jacoby Myers, um, on my bench for flex opportunities. Also Dalton Schultz too. Did I win that trade?
1: Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, I I mean, who who are your quarterbacks? I mean, it, it all depends, man. I mean, when when you're talking about winning trades, you know, it depends on what's best for your team. Well, who was your quarterback before?
3: Uh, Kyler, I traded him.
1: Oh, okay, you traded him. What? Um, it sounds like a fair trade to me. So. Man, it's it's so hard. I mean, and, and I could talk about trades all day. We trade. We talked about it earlier on the pod. It's coming out tomorrow. Let me say fantasy. Um, but man, it it really, whatever's best for your team. I think that I think it worked out good for your team. I wouldn't say you necessarily won or lost it. It's a pretty fair trade. It seems like uh, you you seems like you're stacked. Uh, yeah, yeah, good for you,
3: man. Kelsey and Tay Adams. I'll take that with my home. Yeah. As a oh, stack. for sure,
1: for sure. There you go. You know, if you have if you have Travis Kelsey, you have a good shot to win every week. So for sure, man. All right, Keegan. All right. Uh-
4: I got mine. So Alvin Kamara on the bye this week. I have to replace him for, sure. for the one week only. I, I'm I'm struggling between Miles Sanders, who's just been the biggest disappointment in yeah. like for me. He's just he's ruined my week every week. So
1: oh, of course, every yeah.
4: You know. Miles Sanders or do you roll the dice with Ronald Jones or Sony Michelle?
1: Man, you gotta go Sanders. Um I mean I, and I don't like Sanders this week at all, but Given your situation, um, it's hard For to play sure. anybody. Against, it's it's hard to play anybody against a Tampa Bay run defense. I mean, they're just they've been playing awesome. Uh, but you got to go Sanders. You got to hope that his volume gets him into the end zone. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of volume, but you know, being the being the league guy, you got to hope that he that he gets in the end zone somehow. Um, I think he has the biggest shot of those three guys. Who was it, Sonny Michelle, uh, Ronald? Who, Jones. Was your, who was your second guy? Yeah, yeah. You got you got to just roll with a uh, ugly.
0: Yeah, I agree. Miles,
1: miles Can't ahead. believe
4: I'm four and one. It's unbelievable. <laughs> All right, so here,
0: here's I know right here's a dark blue gold question here. Lost Russ Wilson for four to eight weeks. Who should I be looking for streaming this week and beyond? So it's a one QB, six point TDs. So he stashed Trevor Lawrence uh, versus the Finns before his buy. Uh, he's wondering about Cousins, Wentz, Donald, or Bridgewater. All those guys are available. Anyone pop out of those out of those four?
1: Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, um, I'm, and I talked about him earlier, and I'm trying to remember what his schedule looked like. But yeah, I'm looking at schedule now. He's a really good uh, schedule next couple weeks. Uh, this week, Pittsburgh, which isn't uh, the best, but it you know it's basically middle road. But week seven and eight, he plays Cleveland and Washington, which do horrible against uh, quarterback. So I think Teddy Bridgewater, with the weapons he has, um, I'm I'm rolling the dice and keeping Teddy Bridgewater and streaming him. You really don't need to stream him. I mean, he plays Pittsburgh. Las Vegas, Cleveland, and Washington. It gets way tougher after that, but at least you have, you know, into week eight um, with, with pretty good starts for for Teddy Bridgewater.
0: I like that. All right, Teddy B, there you go. So, and Judy back too. If he comes back at some point, that would be really nice as well. So, sure. uh, all right, who who's a guy that you're starting this week that uh, other people may not be starting? Who's a guy that you're a little higher on this week than other people?
1: Uh, there's a couple. I mean, uh, you know, in I... For those of you that listen to the East fantasy, know that I hate the Dolphins and I hate betting anything on the Dolphins. But uh, Miles Gaskin is is a pretty good RB two option. He hasn't done great. Uh, he had a, you know really good week at least pass catching last week, but um, he's playing Jacksonville. Jacksonville, we know what their run defense is nice. like. So, and this game is just going to be a run test anyways. I don't think either team can really throw the ball very productively. So, I'm I'm taking Miles Gaskin as a comfortable RB two this week as a start. Um, some of the other guys I'm starting, uh, James Robinson, if you have him start him. He's probably gonna be a top 12 option this week against Miami. And then, uh, Zach Moss, you know, you probably drafted him as like a flex, maybe even RB four. And, uh, he's going to be a top 24 running back this week playing, uh, at Tennessee big game. I think it's a, is it a Monday night game or Sunday night game? Um, but, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be a good one. So, uh, Zach, okay. Zach All Moss right. A good start. And then
0: how about the other end? Some guys that you're sitting that other people may be a little higher on.
1: Uh, you know, Josh Jacobs, uh, you know, we've been waiting for something good to come out of him and I guess he's produced okay over the, uh, over the last few weeks, but J- Josh Jacobs isn't going to be finishing as a running back too. If you have other options, I think a lot of people could have somebody like Josh Jacobs and Zach Moss or, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt, even I would start over somebody like Josh Jacobs this week. So he's a, he's a big sit for me. A couple other guys, uh, Chase Edmonds, uh, he's a sit, I'm, I'm kind of naming these, you know, fringe RB2 flex guy yeah. is that you no know, but that's what that's a that's made.
0: exactly who we're talking exactly. about yeah
1: exactly yeah All right. and the last guy look he's gonna be a, probably a top 15 or 20 running back but uh if cook can't go madison um his backup is is gonna be a solid solid sit if you can sit him um
0: look at you dang. you didn't think you could do it that's exactly five minutes right there crushed it look at how much fantasy think, yeah. content yeah. we got in for five minutes
1: look at that that was look great that. awesome that was great. <laughs> Wait, so that's so, all you're paying me for? That's it.
0: That's it. That's all you came for. Just a little five minute, little five minute fantasy segment. We try to we keep it nice and tight here on the Patriot Nation podcast. We talk mostly should, Patriots, and I'm like, you know, let's get a little fantasy. Let's go fantasy perspective in here. You know what I mean? Uh,
1: can I ask you guys about Damon Harris? How Absolutely. Uh, uh, he's gonna battles. play. You're gonna get
0: some I'm awfully okay. freaking pissed, at him. I'll tell you that much. I, t- I had him at 1200 I had him at 1200 ca- 1, yards and, and 10 touchdowns for the year. Uh, so they're through five games, and he's got 200 yards rushing, 260 or 300 yards rushing., uh, 250 yards rushing or something like that. So he's on pace for t- <laughs> he's on pace for almost 1,200 yards. Um, but it, it's not great, not great. Um, and he's fumbled a billion times. He's only fumbled twice, but it feels like a lot because he fumbled twice inside the red zone. One of them literally on the goal line. Um, you know this this past week, so yeah. he's been incredibly frustrating. I think we've seen some good things out of him. I think the Patriots should continue to use him. Um, they're gonna have to block better for him too. I mean, I think I was looking at a chart the other day, and he's you know they had they had like a you know one of those like pictograph charts where it was like you know uh, <clears throat> number of tackles broken per run. And then number of like explosive runs, right? So it was like this way, that way. He was pretty far over to the right, right? He got like, he, he averages like just over 0.3 broken tackles per carry, which is pretty good. And, you know, and in, in probably in the top 10 or so in the league, five or 10 in the league. But the problem is, is that he's just getting hit behind the line of scrimmage because they're not blocking for him, right? And he doesn't have the explosive plays because he hasn't really broken any of those tackles kind of as he's running downfield. So, um, you know, it's been frustrating this year. I was expecting more from him, but. I'm still going to believe in him. I'm still going to trot him out there, especially since I have Look, him and CEH in I mean, a few leagues. So it's like, I don't have a choice, you know?
1: Sure. I mean, his schedule has been pretty brutal. I mean, the first two games, Miami and Jets, no problem. Throw those in, uh, but the Saints, Tampa Bay, Houston, he did well. Then now Dallas this week, um, he plays the Jets, but then the it gets hard. I mean, it's it's such a roller coaster for him as a running back yeah. with these defenses that he's playing. Um, so we hope that, uh, you know, he, he gets rolling. But I was just curious what you guys thought. Cool.
0: No, pretty yeah, yeah, but that's... I mean,
1: when, when when he does when he does well, it's games that he's supposed to do well, at least, right? Like Miami, yep. the Jets, and Houston, he played well and he was supposed to. So I mean, that's all we can really ask for. Uh, Tampa Bay and New Orleans, we knew it was going to be tough.
0: Yeah, but even the Miami game, it's like they he runs for 100 yards, but then he loses a fumble. So it's like you know, kills you, right. kills your team, but also kills your fantasy team because you lose the points for a fumble. And same thing this week, he didn't rush for a ton of yards. He ran for a touchdown, but then he has another touchdown and he fumbles at the goal line, and it's like you know. So those are the those are the things that can't happen. But what are you going to do? Yeah. So. Okay. All
1: right. Anyways, cool.
0: Dale, thank you so much for coming through, Dale. Uh before you okay. leave, give everyone let everyone know where they can read you, see you, hear you, no. everything else. Uh no. Uh
1: Fantasy dot com is what I'm That's
0: it. Do it. That's it. One <laughs> of, the, that. of the some of All the some of the best fantasy coverage in the game in my opinion. That's just my opinion, but you, you know. So, yeah. All right, Dale. Okay. Thank you so much for coming Stay through. We appreciate Thanks, it.
1: I appreciate it, man. All nice, right. Guys. We'll Good talk to you.
0: Me. Good to see you, too. Later. See you. All right. That was great. We appreciate Dale coming through. He's one of our uh, one, kind of our go-to fantasy guy. Appreciate him. So before we let everyone go, uh, we got to tell a little story time here. A little story time. Uh, we went down to Houston this weekend. Keegan and I went down to Houston this weekend. Spags had some work stuff come up, so he couldn't make it. But, um, yeah, we had we had fun. We went to the went to the Pats game. Matter of fact, one of the coolest things about the Pats game for me, and I, I told this story on Twitter. But um, I'm w- walking out of the Pats game after the game, and they had given it was it was Pink Ribbon Day, so they had given pink ribbons to everyone. And I had I was wearing pink ribbon, and I saw some Patriots fans. And I said, "Oh, hey, you know, good game, whatever this and that." And so we're walking by, and there's a a Texans fan kind of in the middle of that group, and he was like, "Hey, can I have that pink ribbon?" I'm like, "Yeah, okay, sure." So I like take it off. And I, and I give it to him. And for those of you that don't know my Jersey, my, uh, I have chase one Jersey and I have all pins at the top all my season ticket holder pins and stuff. And he's like, Oh, I like your pins. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. And he's like, "Here, here, let me give you one. So he took his hat off and he had like three Texans pins on his hat and he took one of his Texans pins off his hat and gave it to me. Uh, and so I added a, uh, a Texans pin to my, uh, to my Patriots Jersey. So like, it was kind of cool. So it's kind of like a little Jersey swap there at the end of uh, at the end of the Texas game, which was cool. So, it was fun. It was fun being there. NRG was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool stadium. Uh, we were way up in the nosebleeds, but beautiful view. Like watching the watching from the all 22. It's like watching All-22, game thing.
3: Yeah.
0: You know? Uh, but the real story of the weekend happened on Saturday. We flew down on Saturday. We got to Atlanta. We stopped off in Atlanta. And we we're like, what the hell are we going to do tonight? We're like, I don't know. We realized AM was playing against against Alabama. So we said, all right, let's book the tickets. So we got tickets to AM, Alabama. We're like, oh my God, here we go. We're going to go. We landed in in uh, Houston at twelve fifteen. Oh, every single rental place, every single car rental dealership in the entire city, closed at noon on Saturday. For why? I no one knows. Nobody knows. So we. The tried. entire
4: city of Houston is dead to me. <laughs> I just want to let that be known. They.
0: Yep. So we tried for hours. For hours we tried. tried. That's true. I tried for hours uh, to get us there. Unfortunately, to no avail, we did not go. It was one of the the what, probably the game of the year so far, uh, and we missed it. We had tickets to it and missed it. And listen, it's on me. I'll just be I, I'm just telling you right now, it's on me. as the dad of the podcast, as the podcast dad, I should have said, we're going to the game. We'll figure it out. It's a hundred dollar Uber to get there. Who knows how much the Uber would be to get home? It doesn't matter. We'll figure it out. Right, It should have been once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's my fault. I should have stepped up. As the dad of the podcast, I should have stepped up and said, we're going. It doesn't matter. But I didn't. Uh, lesson learned. But we had a good time. We had a good time. We would have, uh, would have loved it, of course, if Spags have been with us. And next year, let me tell you something. Next year, we're all going next year. Next year has got to be Lambeau. Has to be. Has to be Green Bay. Lambo. That's got to be. Oh, my God. That's on the bucket list. So I don't know where it is. Uh, Dark Blue Gold thinks we should have stolen a car. Uh, and it was not a bad, not a bad idea. Pat, um,
3: so,
4: you know, not to get off the rails, but Pat was trying to convince me to take an Uber, $150 Uber to A&M and then ask a bunch of my high school friends from Texas <laughs> who go to A&M if we could stay at their place. So Pat was 110% in. I was, yeah. I had resigned myself to the fact that it wasn't going to happen and I just let the, the dream die. Pat would not. He would not let the dream die.
0: I did try for, yeah, I wouldn't give up. And then at six o'clock came, oh, and I was like, all right, I guess, I guess that's the end of that.
4: Basically, basically it was halftime and Pat was like, all right, I guess we can't get there. <laughs> the so, no, I just real quick. I, I had a lot of fun, you know, first time that we've, uh, me and Pat have spent any time alone. Yep. Um, and, and it was a lot of fun. I got to go back to Texas, which if anybody knows me and, and my experiences in Texas, uh, I lived there for six years, not a big fan, but, uh, Going down there with Pat, I don't get too many Patriots games, so going down back to Texas where I never saw a Patriots game, and seeing one was it was cool and uh and we had lots of fun. We can't wait for specs to come with us next year we're gonna we're gonna make it a thing it's, yeah' I think so I'm, I'm really looking forward to next year already got it booked on the calendar.
0: should be fun, right? should be fun, so anyways, that's all I just figured tell a little, do a little story time there at the end so um oh good call see dark blue gold. Spags will pre-book the rental. That's it. That's right. Yep. So, anyways, that's what we got. That's what we got this week. Big game. As Spags said, you know, earlier with RJ, like it's a big game this week. The Patriots can pull out this win. I mean, first of all, it'll be a hell of an upset. Vegas only has it at four, which is crazy to me. But if they can pull out a win here and, and and climb to three and three, and then you play the Jets, which is a layup. So now you're four and three. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, obviously a tall task to beat the Cowboys and they're rolling right now, but like if you can somehow pull off the victory here, that would be absolutely unbelievable.
4: It's I mean, they've got a late buy too. So yep. the the more you lose early on, it's it could spiral quickly. So these games where you feasibly have a chance, I'm not I definitely don't expect them to win, but where you feasibly, you know, you can game plan another team and beat them, you've got to uh matt judon said it last week right like these losses early on aren't going to help them in the back end so right. um i think I'll, I'll give a final score prediction i don't know if you guys want to but i'm thinking like 29 23 the cowboys come out on top but like spag said earlier they play to the level of their competition no matter who it is it could, the worst team in the league the best team in the league that's that's what they play to so i i have 29 23 i think it kind of unravels a little bit towards the end and I think our final score prediction of 11 6 and all of us, our, our record prediction is looking terrible so far.
0: Not great. Not great. But, you know, but we'll see. We will see. If the Patriots' goal goes to 30 Dark Blue gold, they could certainly win. I, I'm thinking more, something like 27 21, something like that. Um, but again, if it's a one score game, you never know. The end of the game, you just you just never know. Of course, Mack led his first uh, career fourth quarter comeback last week, could do it again. Probably should have done it in his first career game and freaking Damian Harris fumbled uh in the red zone. But anyways, that's what we got, guys. Thank you so much. Uh well specs, you want to add anything before we uh you want to add a, a score, a score prediction?
3: Yeah, I, I got the Patriots winning this week. So I'm gonna be the odd guy out.
0: Let's go. Be,
3: yeah. Love it.
4: Love it. Pods and vibes only. Specs curates the vibe.
0: <laughs> I love it. And and uh folk with a fifty eight yard in one soon. We'll we'll see. It's not, it's not supposed to rain Sunday, but you never know. You never know, so uh, I love it. Bags, love the win. It would be great, uh, and hopefully they won't be the only Boston team winning this week. Uh, the Red Sox kicking off against the Astros. Do we know when, or has Friday, an Friday, the, know, it not been announced? Because Friday Ooh, Friday and Saturday, I assume, and then Sunday Patriots, and then Monday Probably again. I'll be
4: or... Worcester watching a Holy Cross women's hockey game. Oh,
0: that's, that's terrible.
4: That's my life.
0: Oh, I used to when I went to school in Worcester. There was a friend of mine who was on the Holy Cross women's team. I spent I watched a lot of games up there. So anyways, hey,
4: l- listen, I love money, but I'd rather just stay at home and watch the Red Sox, to be honest. I
0: hear that. I hear that. So, anyways, thanks, guys. We appreciate it, uh, and we will, uh, we'll talk to you next week, hopefully, hopefully, after another Patriots victory.